up on today's show, the Prime Minister is set to invoke the Emergencies Act to deal with border blockades and protests in our nation's capital. We'll get a breakdown on just what that might entail. Also today, the situation in Eastern Europe continues to escalate. We'll get the latest. And here's one for Valentine's Day. How about couples that sleep apart stay together? All right, so I'm uh, watching and waiting to see what the news will be in terms of the Prime Minister and the Emergency Act, if that will be invoked today. By all accounts, uh, that's what we're expecting. Um, he will invoke emergency powers in support of provinces to end the blockades and public disorder. Amanda Connolly uh, is a reporter with Global News, and she's uh, in Ottawa. She joins us now to give us a little insight about what we know on this story. Amanda, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Hang on a second. Let me turn on the phone. There you go. I'm sorry, Amanda. Hi. <laughs> well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a Monday, Monday right? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So we uh, we understand um, that uh, it was announced in a in a caucus meeting this morning. Is that where we're getting this information from, or a cabinet meeting? What what how, what's the latest that we know? So what we are what we know right now, what Global News has confirmed, is that Trudeau is expected to announce today that he will invoke these emergency powers. Uh, this effectively being a move to support provinces and ending the blockades and really the, the public disorder that has been gripping so much uh, of the country, including key border crossings, for a number of days now. Uh, Global News has spoken with sources who are saying that this is expected to happen imminently. Uh, the government is preparing to invoke this act, and again, uh, this is this would be the first time the Emergencies Act has been uh, has been invoked. It has never actually been used before. Um, so really, there, there are a lot of questions right now about how this could be used, what particular aspects of this the government might be eyeing as a potential response to help the provinces in dealing with this. Um, but again, we, we've also heard from sources that while they are looking at options for the military to help law enforcement, that that would really be with um, things like logistics. Right. It would not be any kind of having the military actually deploy into the streets or deal with civilians. That That is certainly not what we are hearing. Yeah, that seems to have been off the table right from the beginning, not using the military to help with actual enforcement or, you know, just in support capacity. Um, now, one of the steps that needs to be taken here, um, and as far as I understand, is he needs to meet with all of the first ministers, premiers across the country, correct? Correct. Yes. So the, the the wording in the actual bill here is it requires consultation with the provinces, okay. and of course uh, that really would be uh, it, it seems key here. So we know that that Trudeau um, did meet with the provinces, uh, the, the premiers and the territories uh, last uh, last night. Uh, it's been a, a busy twenty four hours here, so bear with me. But we had a sure. whole bunch of meetings going on. But um, yes, there have been a number of meetings going on, including um, a late night cabinet meeting, a national caucus meeting this morning. Uh, with the entire Liberal caucus as well here in Ottawa. And so certainly there there seems to be a lot going on behind the scenes here. And then really, uh, we don't have any, any timeline yet for when this will actually be announced. There's no press conference set so far. But yes, really having that, that consultation with provinces would be key here. And, and again, this, this, um, the, the wording of the legislation, legislation itself really is uh, suggesting it, is, it would be intended to support the provinces here and provide kind of some additional measures that might be useful uh, if, if they are kind of out of their element or out of their depth on, on responding to certain things. Yeah, in the Emergencies Act, Amanda, what exactly does it do? There's a lot of speculation, a lot of talk. It's not the War Measures Act. It's not as broad and as sweeping. What actually would it entail and what would it allow the federal government to do? 
Correct. This is not the War Measures Act. The War Measures Act, of course, was highly controversial, last used back in 1970, and it was actually repealed. So the Emergencies Act is the replacement law that, that, that came after the War Measures Act was repealed. And really, it lays out uh, four different kinds of public emergencies, effectively, that could require additional federal response. And so people might re- might remember there was a lot of talk early in the initial days of the COVID-19 pandemic as well about whether the Emergencies Act should be used to help the provinces in responding to the sheer scale of this. So things that really are not within the normal provincial um, wheelhouse of, of responding to. And so you've got a number of different powers under here that could potentially be be used. You've got effectively powers um, that would go to the federal cabinet to to regulate and prohibit, prohibit certain kinds of public assembly that might be breaching the peace, um, the, the power to designate and secure protected places, to, to take over kind of control and restoring of certain public utilities and services. So really there, there's a wide range here. And again, part of the challenge here is that we've never actually seen this yeah. used before. So it's difficult to say what that what it would actually look like for those to be triggered. Really, a lot of questions here. Certainly, one that we are we are following very very closely to see what could happen in this case. But but certainly, uh, again, it, it appears that this is going to go ahead. And if so, certainly a very strong signal in terms of how serious the emergency here would be taken from a national level. Yeah, certainly a, a pretty substantial escalation. Amanda, thank you so much for your insight and your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Amanda Connolly, who is a national online uh, reporter with Global News. And as, as you heard, um, Global News hearing from a number of sources that the Emergencies Act will be invoked uh, in Canada by the Prime Minister today. As you heard from Amanda, it gives them the federal government some pretty broad powers um, uh, regulate and prohibit public assembly that may be expected to lead to a breach of peace. Um, the ability to designate and secure protected places. Uh, the ability to assume the control, restoration, and maintenance of public utilities and services, the ability to authorize or direct the provision of essential services and the provision of reasonable compensation, and the ability to impose a summary conviction fine not exceeding $500 or imprisonment not exceeding six months or both or on indictment of fine not exceeding 5000 or imprisonment not exceeding five years or both for any breach of an order or regulation. The the tension remains um, so high in Eastern Europe right now, and every hour it seems there's new developments and there's there's new concerns raised about the situation there and whether or not Russia is planning to invade Ukraine as early as this week. We're hearing Wednesday. I mean, it, it, it's it's really, really concerning. So to get an update on what's going on there and what we need to know, we're going to chat with Andrew Rasoulis, who is a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Andrew, thank you for your time again today. I really appreciate it. Hi, Shay. Glad to have you. Uh, glad to be back on your show, and thank you. Interesting times. <laughs> very, very interesting. And, and literally, it seems like there's new developments, like I said, hour by hour. Uh, I think yeah. one that uh, caught the attention of a lot of Canadians is the fact that uh, yesterday it was announced that the uh, military is pulling out the remaining members of their training forces in Ukraine. How big of a deal is that, do you think? Well, it's, it's all part of a, a safety precaution. Um, uh, the uh, Canadians have uh, 200 uh, people uh, as part of Operation Unifer. Uh, they were predominantly in the western half uh, of Ukraine in Yavare, which is very close to the Polish border. There were others scattered throughout the country in various uh, smaller missions, but they were all consolidated and pulled out, as the reports say, on, uh, on Sunday. 
and, and they, they are reportedly to have gone to Poland. And there's a, yeah. actually a Polish base very close to the border there, which we used to use. So uh, that makes perfect Putin sense. And the Canadian embassy uh, and the essential staff, ambassador, obviously military attaché and fields, have relocated themselves uh, to the Canadian consulate offices in Lviv, yeah. which is also very West Ukraine. These are all common uh, prudent because the Russians have the capability, as uh, you mentioned in your introduction, to launch an attack as of Wednesday. That's the way Sullivan says that's the window they have. Uh, whether they but they also caution uh, that that's a capability, and they also say we don't know what Putin intends to do, because that's the intention side of the analysis. And so what does Putin want to do? Well, the story moves. So this morning, Associated Press is reporting uh, very interestingly that, that uh, the foreign minister, Lavrov, uh, has advised Putin that the, act, the, the, the American and NATO response to the Russian demands for negotiations, but which focus predominantly from a Russian perspective on uh, a non-NATO membership for Ukraine, essentially neutral Ukraine, and, the, and, the, and then that was rejected. But they gave the Russians a whole bunch of stuff about arms control, confidence-building measures, a discussion on the security architecture of Europe. Initially, the Russians dismissed that as crumbs uh, because their primary uh, interest was not being uh, met. But Lavrov now says, interestingly, that NATO's uh, and the American um, proposals merit further discussion. Hmm. They have not been exhausted, he says. And so uh, that is a major shift. That shows some softening. It's also taking place at the same time when the German Chancellor, Schultz, uh, is there in Kiev today? Yeah, he's in Kiev today and in Moscow tomorrow. So, 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 and he's doing last-ditch diplomacy. So, all this is coming together, and uh, and Lavrov says, of course, we can't negotiate indefinitely, and so on. It all makes sense. But the fact is that they've opened the door um, to actually look at the American uh, NATO package, and there's a lot more in there, actually. I, I, I don't, we don't have time here on the program to discuss it, but actually the Americans have offered, I think, serious options for the Russians, uh, which actually, if, if taken at face value and negotiated, could actually meet some of the Russian security uh, concerns about NATO enlargement. Oh, okay. um, but, but, so I think, there's, I think there's stuff there, and uh, the Russians are, are starting to recognize it. Interesting. Okay, so there still is a dipl- uh, diplomatic avenue to be explored here, which, which is good to hear. I'm just wondering... Yeah. Um, Andrew, in terms of the, what we're seeing, it's interesting. You've got the U.S. basically coming out and all but saying, hey, they're going to launch an invasion sometime this week. Um, but you've got Ukraine, you know, the, the Ukrainian officials saying, yeah, no, we don't think this is that big of a deal. There's nothing to worry about. Russia saying, no, we have no intention on. I mean, what, what, what's the situation where you have, you know, the State Department of the United States actually going public and saying, you know what, they're going to attack and they're going to do it by this date, like, Obviously, intelligence is involved, but how much should we read into the fact that, you know, you've got competing narratives here? The, uh, well, the, 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 this is all a question of capability versus intent. And uh, the, the State Department, when they have st- said that, they say, we don't know what Putin wants to do. What they say is he has the capability to do it. Right. And he could do it on Wednesday. But that doesn't mean that he has. But they also say... They, they, Americans do not know or do not think that Putin has actually made that decision. And then if you compare that to Lavrov's statement this morning, as reported by Associated Press, it suggests that the decision has not been made right. since the discussion is taking place. So the frantic diplomatic negotiating will continue, and um, 
possibly we find a way out of this. I believe, I mean, you remember the last time I stuck my neck out on your program and said <laughs> I still believed in diplomacy? Yep. I, uh, even in this tense week, uh, I still believe uh, that diplomacy has a, has a, has a chance uh, to avert a war. Um, I think common sense is prevailing all around. and People understand that war uh, is bad news for everybody. Exactly. War is a lose-lose option. Yeah. So I, um, I still remain uh, optimistic. The better nature of, of, of human beings will come <laughs> forward, and a diplomatic solution will be found. Because I believe there are the elements of a solution in the proposal, the counterproposals that the Na- Americans and NATO has given the Russians. I think there's room to, to discuss a solution there. Well, that is encouraging, and, and we'll watch and see what developments emerge on that front. Uh, Andrew, as mm-hmm. always, thank you so much for your time. We'll, we'll chat again, sir. Oh. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. You bet. Bye. That is uh, Andrew Rasoulis, who is a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Uh, a good voice to go to on this situation and what's happening there. So there's the very latest. We'll have to see. I mean, it's you continue to hear, you know, more and more saber rattling and uh, Canada pulling out all of their personnel, including military. Same thing happening with the U.S. and with the U.K. So uh, obviously they think the threat is real despite the fact that Ukrainian officials say no, we don't think there's that much of a risk of an attack. This might be a bit of an odd choice when it comes to Valentine's Day, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe this will actually be something that keeps people together. How do you like to sleep? Do you, there are some, I think there's two groups of people and a whole bunch of people that are along the spectrum, but um, I think there's two groups here. I either like to sleep with somebody else in the bed or you can't stand it and you, and you need your own space. But that's just wrapped up in so much, right? Like if you're married and you don't sleep in the same bed, oh my goodness, what are you doing? Although I remember growing up, my grandparents had separate bedrooms. I thought, okay. Interesting. What's the age where that happens? If you ever watch the Flintstones, Fred and Wilma had their own beds. Nobody thought anything of it. That's how it works in some circles. But still, you know, there's a stigma around it. So we're going to chat now with Haley McGee, who's a Canadian actor, playwright, and podcast host, currently living in Britain. She is the author of The Ex-Boyfriend Yard Sale, Finding a Formula for the Cost of Love. Haley, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Shay. This is really fun. I think so. I think it's a great discussion. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> um, okay, now you're here to sing the praises of having your own <laughs> sleeping quarters. But let's go back to the beginning because your relationship okay. with sleep, it, it's always been, it's been a tough one, right? That is right. I have always been an absolutely terrible sleeper, so much so that before I turned two, my parents gave up on putting me down for naps. They just said, she's just going to have a bedtime because we can't get her to go to sleep in the middle of the day. And that problem has persisted persisted all through my childhood and into my adult life. And there are some techniques that I have to help myself get to sleep yeah. when I'm alone. But whenever I've had to share a bed, it's been an absolute nightmare for me. And so when I started dating and having sleepovers, I spent most of those nights (laughs) sharing beds with love interests, absolutely unable to fall asleep, staring at the ceiling and trying not to disturb the person beside me. Is that what it is? Is that what keeps you awake? What is it that makes it even worse? I mean, you have your own issues to begin with, but when you've got another person in the bed, what, what makes it that much worse? Oh, well, I mean, I think the thing is that I want to move around a lot. I'm always trying to look for a very comfortable position. And then 
if I keep waking someone up, I just remember, you know, at points in my 20s feeling like if I annoy them, then they're never going to want to date me. <laughs> and so feeling this kind of intense pressure to be very, quote unquote, well behaved in my sleeping patterns. And then also, you know, I don't want to be crass, but Another thing that has often kept me awake is fear of a fart slipping out. Really? You know, you just start to feel yourself nodding off to sleep and then being jolted awake because maybe your stomach's relaxing a little bit and a little bit of flatulence (laughs) wants to come. See, now, I don't know if I'd worry about that, Haley, necessarily. Whatever, who cares? But (laughs) drooling, drooling would be my concern because I can drool a lot if I'm in the wrong position. Oh, yeah. I've definitely woken up with a little pool on the pillow. (laughs) Which would be horribly embarrassing. You don't want that either. So you came upon this um, almost by accident, right? I mean, it it wasn't something that you came up with because you wanted to. You were forced into this through through necessity. It had to happen, right? Yes, exactly. So I, and I always thought, oh, I have to get this sharing a bed thing under control because only people who have kind of terrible relationships don't share a bed. I really bought into that. But when I moved from Toronto to London, England, where I now live, it was a lot more expensive and things weren't going particularly well in my career. And so I rented a room that I really can only describe as a nun cell. I had this tiny little single bed and uh, someone who I was dating long distance came to visit me. And so the bed had a little trundle bed underneath it. So we pulled it out and we essentially slept in separate beds, the side by side. And that was kind of a revelation. Suddenly I had moved, I had the freedom to move around. We were both much better slept. We were kinder to each other. Our relationship kind of seemed to bloom. And then we were going on holiday, you know, a year later yeah. or something like that. And we were looking at places to stay and we were down to two places and one had a queen bed and one had two twin beds separated by a night's and we were like, let's do the one with twin beds. And then that was an absolute revelation because we had even more room. And then a few years after that, I had started making more money and I was able to rent uh, a flat that has an office in it. So when he came to visit me after I'd moved there, we slept in separate bedrooms and I became an absolute convert. Never before had I had a man stay over and slept as well as I would have had he not been there. And um, it just really got me thinking that, you know, this perception that I had about couples sleeping in separate rooms was completely off. And, and I think, you know, we bring better versions to our of ourselves to each other when we're well rested. And that can really only foster love. Okay, see, now that's the issue, because you know there's a lot of people listening, Haley, that say, what? Oh, my goodness, there's no way that a relationship, a healthy relationship, and we all know what we're talking about here, um, can yes. possibly exist under this kind of a situation. You're saying, oh, no, this this can work? Well, I'm saying for some couples, sure. it absolutely can. And, you know, I've done a whole bunch of research on it, um, and so I actually learned that that there have been times in history when it was actually deemed more modern and fashionable to sleep separately. It was really big in the 1920s. Yeah. And, um, 
And so it was really popular then. And I think we're going through a little bit of a renaissance around that. There are Instagram influencers coming out as separate sleepers and that, and people are jumping in and experts are weighing in on it and fellow separate sleepers are weighing in on it, um, including one of the kind of experts from Married at First Sight, Australia, I believe, who has been saying, <laughs> yeah, you know, you really don't need to share a bed to have a good time between the sheets. In fact, a lot of couples benefit from that space and finding new exciting ways to create intimacy. Interesting. Although I, I don't know if if you're helping your case any by citing someone from marriage at first sight or whatever it's called <laughs> as as evidence for good decision making. <laughs> well, I know, but you know they're paired together through science. That's the yeah, thing sure, you. okay, all right. <laughs> it's fascinating, Haley, and I know uh, there's definitely people that would think, "Oh man, I've been waiting my whole life for this," and there's others who couldn't even wrap their head around it. So I appreciate you coming in and giving us the case. Um, thank you so much. I really do appreciate oh. it. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That is Haley McGee. Haley is a Canadian actor, a playwright, and a podcast host currently living in Britain. She's also the author of The Ex-Boyfriend Yard Sale, Finding a Formula for the Cost of Love. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.